All right, guys, thanks for joining me. This is Staying Alive, and I'm Louis J. And we're on location today. We're coming live and direct from my cottage in uh, Ontario. And uh, I'm thrilled, man, because I get to have some friends on the show. And somebody that's been instrumental in putting the show together with me is Nico Moretti. He's here today. He's, uh, he's a good friend and work colleague. We've been doing uh, projects together for, I don't know, forever, it seems anyway. Nico's responsible for operations at a couple of the... Uh, the businesses that I'm running. So anyway, Nico, bud, welcome. And I'm happy to have you here. Welcome back to Shut Up and Listen. I'm your host, Nico. Uh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Shut up and listen. Let's bring that to life. No, this is really cool. Everybody always asks, what's the inspiration for Cabin? And I always say it's Louis Cottage. It's a spitting image of Louis Cottage. And now, now we're here. All your other episodes have been at Cabin. Yes. And now you wouldn't even know it. You could this could pass as the barbershop. This is uh, this is my cabin, you know, and it is very much tied to the look and feel, the aesthetic of the business. It's very cool. And coming up here, I knew we were doing this. And I, when you said you want to do a podcast, most people say, I'm going to start a podcast. They get their iPhone and they get a little mixer for it and they plug it in and then they just rant for a little while. But of course, that's just not how... You're going to go about it. And so now we got the lights and we got the cameras and we got Frank who has set all this up, of course, and has just made this whole pro thing. You could easily, when I was listening to the show on the way up here, you could easily think that this was CBC Studios in Toronto. You know what I mean? Oh, that's awesome, man. And uh, hearing that. coming up here, I felt like I was going to Rick Rubin's studio almost, right? You feel like I'm going up to do this thing and I'm going up to do this podcast and you're thinking about what you're going to say on the journey up here. And it's just... Really pro. I love Blow that. it out of the water as always. I love hearing that too, man. I mean, I really wanted to do something that was special and in a place that means a lot to me. And that's really where the idea of hosting at the cabin uh, became, you know, something that I think we should do on a regular basis. So, yeah, there's something different about being in the woods. You know, disconnected. You get yourself into a different frame of mind. Um, there's something about having the window open and listening to the rainfall when you're waking up in the morning. It's like there's... There's nothing better, and I often think about the interruptions that come in, in into your day, and then sure enough, your your phone gives you that little message, that little beep, that alert, that something that says, I'm here, and you should pay attention to me. And of course, I've been trying to be mindful about the time that I spend on the phone, and I've been saying this for such a long time that the rapid succession of how we get information out, and maybe that's what I should I should preview this, what I think we should be talking about today is the fact that um, technology um, is closely, is actually encouraging an addiction. And it was just validated by the recent release of the uh, social dilemma. Dilemma. Social dilemma on Netflix. And I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, by the time you listen to this podcast, you might have already seen it or heard more about it. But uh, it really just validated a lot of the thinking that I've had over the last year or so. And when I saw it come to life in front of me, it just made me realize that places like this, this cottage, waking up like that, being disconnected, and having a chance to be able to check in when you feel necessary, not when you're being reminded, is hugely important, I think, to the to the structure of anybody's life. And so I wanted to talk about that today because I saw a lot in the movie um, that, I, that I thought about. I mean, there's rapid information dissemination it's it's like nothing we've ever heard before yeah 100 percent. and 
you're right. When you come up here to disconnect it and everything like that, as someone that gets to talk to you every day, it's evident when you actually get some time up here to decompress and when you unplug for a little while and then you kind of come back into the world and come back to the big city and it's a whole different mindset of the go, 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 go. That is a day in the life of Louie, but not that you still come up here and it's go, 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 but it's a little bit different. And I think that it changes the way you think, the way everybody thinks when they get up here for a little while and can kind of get out of that mindset. But this documentary that that we watched and that we talked a little bit about because what people don't know is you and I probably do a podcast every day on the phone together when we just right. sit and yenta it up like hens for an hour every day. But um, when we talked about that documentary and just how close to home it can hit in a lot of ways, right? Um, and how those those pings and those notifications and can just interrupt your day and just suck time away. And right. Just- so in case you haven't seen or heard of it or, or know the details, uh, the documentary basically brings on an understanding of why the programming has happened. And it was, it was made in part by a number of programmers from, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Google. Um, and, and basically it had the programmers and the developers and the, and the customer experience people uh, explain why uh, the the like was invented, you know, what type of behavior it created and what exactly they were intending to do with the platform. And I don't want to dismiss the idea that our, our tools and our technology are, in fact, amazing tools if kept into the hands of the people that want to do good with them. I think there, there, there's an amazing things that happen as a result of social media Um that we are very fortunate. There's been people that have found their family. There's been people that have saved lives. There's been people that um, championed a movement, you know, and that's due in part to how they communicate and that's social media. And so what I've been saying to a lot of people over the last while is that we're in a position now where information is coming so fast and it could, it could rotate the world in seconds, minutes. And now we've created this common voice and that script and that belief and that meme goes around and then somebody completely, you know, um, responds to it in a way that now there's similar responses and there's a point of interest and there's a knowledge base. And yeah, I know that one. Do you know that one? And, you know, what, what scared me was that of course, we know there's misinformation and we know there's fake news and we've heard about it from our, our friends down south and more than we've ever imagined. The reality is, is that you don't really know where it draws the line. Is it just political fake, fake news? Is it is there something that's been put out there that is going to encourage the profiteering or the response to a brand or the response to a sale, um, to a movement, to you know a protest? Like all of a sudden everybody's got the same information in rapid succession. It's there. Boom. The problem with it is, is that obviously the companies don't care what the information is as long as it's intriguing to you, right? And so things that cause panic or outrage or anger are going to draw you in more than the things that make you happy or excited, whatever it is. And they just want you to keep scrolling because the more time you're on that device, the more time you're watching those videos, the more ads they can throw at you and the more money they make. And the problem with it is, 
is that they'll keep feeding into your ideology and what you believe and show you things that are going to anger you or make you want to stand up for that while also pairing you with other people that think that way that you do and it keeps growing and growing and growing whether it's true or not. And on the other side of it, you have that same thing happening to the same people or different people that have the exact opposite, right? So you have whatever it is, the right over here, getting this content and just getting bigger and bigger and more angry and outraged. And you have the left doing the exact same thing with just the opposite content until obviously it comes to a head and comes to a car crash. And then you're seeing people out in the streets. So, yeah. And so even if I was not to fast forward to what's potentially going to happen, um, because that could be in itself quite scary in, in, in knowing that, We've already seen moments where people have lost control. I mean, I heard somebody say, how do we expect to be able to move forward? We can't even put the grocery carts back in the, in the cart corral. Like right. when you put that kind of responsibility on humans, in some cases we fail miserably. And the expectation is that we're, you know, we're going to respond and react and, and, you know, and it kind of heighten as the messaging heightens and as people get more angry. And the point there is, is that, uh, the intention wasn't to create that divide. The intention yeah. in, in the software development and all of the little things that they put in there to make it very entertaining for us was to feed us information that we liked. And you know, nobody's upset by that. Like when I was told that artificial intelligence, you know, five, seven years ago was going to predict for me um, or was going to at least mimic my behavior, my pattern, my thoughts. If I clicked on a wakeboard ad, I didn't mind that they fed me more information about wakeboards because of course I'm interested. Right. And so I thought, well, that's actually a cool exchange. I kind of give you what I do and how I like to do things and you're going to feed me things that I like. So I think this is like, I've got my own customized news channel or, or information station. And but what I didn't realize, and this is where they made very clear in the movie is that in fact, it wasn't a matter of, of, um, brand trying to sell to us i mean that's the goal i mean it's, it's, it's a consumer play for sure it's a it's behavior and this is not the first instance where somebody's tried to create profiles of people to make decisions to help them buy things that's happened throughout our lives for sure we've all been somehow profiled so that they know that we are part of a market and let's market to that market and in this case we've given them every piece of information um, that they need not only to make decisions about things we would like, but predict things that we may like and now start to um, use the intelligence so rapidly and so successfully that the predictions are so accurate that when you want me to look at that ad for something, then you've navigated your way through my personal interest to get my attention. And, and I guess the most damaging piece was to recognize that actually they're not being sold we're being sold right we in fact are a commodity we are eyeballs for brands we're purchasing power we're money spend we're a center of influence and we could take that information good bad ugly misinformation we could be distribution channels for it like when you recognize what really truly is happening and you're you're made aware if you weren't already then by the movie then all of a sudden you start to question, wait a minute, so that little ping that I did get, it, it actually, I saw that post or that notice before, but I got a ping for it and it brought me back into the app 
And now the app has me scrolling through another half hour of content. Uh, great. The content's awesome. It's fun. It's entertaining. But it's another way to get me back in. So in in that regard where they're trying to create con- curate content that is directed toward you and you only, I mean, that's awesome. If they came up to you in 1985 and said, we have a TV channel that's just for you and it's only content that you're going to like and it's it's just everything you want to see all day long, no reruns, never ends, and you can just watch it all day, you'd be like, how much? How much? I don't need any other channel because I have everything I want right here. And so they've been doing this to us forever. It's just evolved to now it's on your phone and it's totally directed towards you. But obviously... These advertisers that for people that like football, they're going to put ads for football on the football channel, right? And now it's just evolved to this point where they've got it down to a science and there's no human guessing. It's all machine learning. So is this now from this machine learning standpoint, is this actually us at that point that, you know, our parents spoke about it? We spoke about it as kids. Is this the point when all of a sudden the machine is in control? Are we... I mean, I, I think there's an obvious yes to that. It, when when the predictability of of what I'm going to be interested in is being made by a machine because of my behavior and they've completely cloned me in a version of me where I can I can actually, they can predict for me the next 10 years because they found somebody else just like me who happens to be 60 instead of 50. Right. And then what was he interested in at 60 that I might be, oh, maybe we should actually show Louis some of these ads or some of this product or better yet lifestyle. If I'm going to be starting to take, you know, those European riverboat cruises and things that would start to affect me because that 60 year old version already showed them what I'm like and showed them what they can expect. And to that point, you're right. 1985, sell me a program that's made just for me. I'm all in. So in that regard, when you take the, the propaganda piece out of it and the, the outrage piece out of it, is there really something wrong with that, with the machine just giving you exactly what you want to see? And at that point, is it our responsibility to be able to have the awareness to say that's enough for now? Or is it still these companies to blame? Well, I think, uh, the, I don't think we get to a place, and I already, I recognize it, you recognize it, where we can qualify our behavior with our devices as an addiction. Absolutely. And one of the ways to measure addiction is to stop doing it and see what it does to you and your body and your mind. And if it becomes something that's very clearly, um, you know, that pull pull, then there's a, there's likely a chance that you've got some, some phase of addiction. Right. Um, I'm not an expert, but I do know this, that uh, I feel awkward without my device and I think that's like most people and then I started when I watched the movie and I've done this before too where you do a little mental audit you start to recognize what am I why am I here you know why did I get here why wasn't I just content sitting here looking outside for a couple of minutes it took me two minutes to be uncomfortable with being completely still and silent and then you start to let that sink in and realize I am responsible for my audit. I'm responsible for my behavior. Here's where I think it goes wrong. And back to the idea of the machine being in, in control where the predictability of putting information in front of me that stimulates me is so accurate that I can be persuaded because I am facing an addiction um, that we don't know how to deal with yet. We were smart enough 
during my childhood, or they were smart enough, um, and your childhood, where um, censorship had to happen at a level to protect children. And there's no censorship uh, on the internet when it comes to the content that's being fed to us, other right. than parental controls. And I can tell you probably nine out of ten parents, maybe that's that's being that's being unfair. Let's say seven out of 10 parents don't, you know, impose a parental control on the phone. And these children are seeing things. And this is actually talked about in the movie too. But again, back to the idea that I've been thinking about this for a long time, these children are seeing things that will forever change their view of, of a subject, uh, an idea, a notion. And I get it. Like the world is exposing us to more than we've ever been able to handle or thought we would. And that's just evolution. But when it's it's being fed to you in a way that's really being manipulated so that there could be a profit from it i don't see how i don't know i'm i'm worried yeah for sure i mean before before the phone we were addicted to the tv and there were people that lived in front of that tv that's where the term couch potato was coined right and we had those censorships or whatever it may be but I mean, all kids watch stuff that they weren't supposed to watch at the same time, too. Obviously, this is exponentially different in that way. I think the most messed up part about the whole film was talking about the suicide rates and especially the suicide rates in teen girls and just how much that's grown more like astronomically since 2009, 2010, when really these things started to blow up when Facebook started to blow up when the social media scene started to happen because of, you know, I have to be this, I have to be that, I have to be this certain standard or that certain standard. And then you get into the filters and people are trying to be these images that aren't even real. And it's just that, that to me was probably the scariest part of the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, um, it actually brings it to a completely different level when you recognize that um, depression, anxiety, are all on the rise, especially in young people. Um, and the pressure that we already put on everybody to perform and be something that they may or may not be is massive. To think what it's doing to young women, to, um, you know, to, and, and there's a whole theory around, you know, the like button and when there's not enough likes for a post, how damaging it is and how consumed people become if they didn't reach a threshold in their mind that, validated who and what they are. It really is quite sad. It's a constant. Uh, Molly, uh, what do you think about that? I, I'm I'm really sorry. That dog's probably been in the lake all day and is not going to really smell that good. So Molly gets lots of likes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, 100%. The other side of me says, just like how when the internet came around and our parents and grandparents or whatever would click on the ads that are clearly clickbait or spam or whatever it is. You've won $5,000 or whatever it may be. Is this generation that's coming up now going to be able to spot these misinformations and these filters and all that the same way that we could easily see that these ads were, were fake at the time. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because they grow up in it and they know it and in the back of their mind, they know that everything's fake. Are they going to be able to, assume and see and be able to analyze what isn't real. 
I, I got to be honest, uh, good luck with anybody trying to figure out what's real. I mean, because, and, and really, who's going to take the time to, to really dig deep and find out if, if, in fact, I mean, I'm sure there will be people, but the average person won't. They'll take it as information and they'll take it at face value and they'll take it for granted that it is right. And there'll be movements that happen as a result of it. There'll be, you know, companies failing and there'll be, people connected in a way to groups they didn't even know possibly could ever exist. And all of a sudden, once you've, once you've given enough of your behavior um, to the machines, then in fact, they're making sure that you're constantly fed with stuff you love. And that's where the challenge is because I think that's not only is the behavior, the addiction, but the content is the addiction and I can't help it. I'm, I'm consuming content like crazy. I've never, uh, I've never been more interested in just learning. I feel like I'm on a completely different journey, and I don't want to waste time with anything other than things that make me happy or things that I'm learning. And uh, and all of a sudden, the algorithm for me is being very, very conscious of my interests and my shift in the way that I'm doing things because they're feeding me everything that I want. It can also introduce you to such cool things that you would have never known about, you know, and for us, for, for cabin, for your other businesses and things like that, it's just such a great outlet as well to be able to show what we are to the world that they wouldn't have been able to see otherwise. So, I mean, there's so many performers or, uh, you know, entertainment aspects or how to do things or, you know, life hacks for that and just things that you can use every day and things that can really change the way you live your life every day that is is positive, but what's the trade-off? Yeah, what's the trade-off? Do you mind giving up information about you to make sure that it can help you be your best you? You know, there there is a an exchange here. There's a commerce in some respect. Either you're giving time, and in exchange for your time, they're going to reward you with information that's free. And I mean, take a look now, anything you want to learn is available in a webinar, in, um, in a podcast, it's, it's made available and the resource is massive. You can get every version of something times a thousand, uh, which is very exciting. And I think there is a lot of good that comes from it. The challenge just think now is to Somehow, do we impose the control on ourselves, which I think is probably number one. First, I would say for me, yes. I'm already seeing that I'm being conscious of how I'm responding to the device. And I'm likely going to go and change some of the, the uh, notifications and the alerts. That's so what I did. You took yeah. that off? Yeah. I didn't realize in Facebook especially just how customizable the notifications are. So you can get a ping for if you get a message or if someone you know, comments on something that you've posted, but you can take away the pings for so-and-so just updated their status or it's Sally's birthday tomorrow or, you know, so you can really narrow that down because those pings there are the ones that are really designed to just get you to waste a half hour, right? Right. Like so-and-so commented about that. Okay, I'll check that out. And then this, the sun's gone and it's nighttime, you know, just and you've, like that. you've scrolled, you've got scroll finger. Right. So, I mean, if you're a little selective that way, it can start to become a good tool again. The problem with it is, like, we're only 10 years into this. Right. And it's only going to keep getting better. We're at the tip of the iceberg. And the algorithm is going to keep getting better and keep knowing how to get you back more and more and more so that you're watching it and people are paying for your attention. 
just like it says in the documentary, if if something's coming to you for free, it's because you're the product, right? You are the product. Our attention is the product to these advertisers that are paying to fund this whole thing. So it's just going to keep getting more precise to get us hooked in. And the propaganda side of it and the information side of it and the fake news side of it is only going to keep getting better as well to convince us more and more and more. So that's the scary part of it is we're, if we were here today and this is how it is, then we can learn to control that. But if, as they keep evolving as well, we don't really stand a chance. Yeah. I think that we've got a very interesting road ahead of us. And this actually might spawn a bunch of activity and movements. This could be that moment where in one of the early podcasts, earlier podcasts, I mentioned um, this wholesome movement, this kind of return to um, to a simpler way. And listen, I never wanted to, you know, um, not allow my children to have technology. In fact, I was an early um, adopter of technology, especially for them, because I knew that this is the world that they were going to move in through. And to your point earlier, when you said people don't know because they're being born into this, I mean, the generation that's born into this knows no different. They only right. have technology at their disposal. <clears throat> Excuse the me. First language. Yeah, the first language, and and even and at that point, you know, um, I don't uh, I don't want to not use the in, the tool for the intention because it's changed my life. It's made my businesses, you know, uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I've I've designed uh, a life around them, and I think that they're hugely helpful. Um, so I want to make sure that I keep a focus on that, but then be um, disciplined enough and knowledgeable enough. To know where, you know, this is a do not go zone. Like, stick away from it. Spend some time doing something else. Put a plan together that works for you that has you removed and then connected when you need to. Is it, is it scary enough to you? <coughs> is it scary enough to you to take the profiles off of the social networks for your businesses? It was, it's a question that, uh, of course, you ask as soon as you, you feel like you're fired up when you finish watching the film. Yeah. Because you put yourself in into the in the shoes of the person that they were basically talking about. Like the guy is, you know, he's, we're losing him. We, he hasn't connected with us for two days. Like, what do we do? It's almost like those paddles. And right. it's like the shock and get him back in. He's coming back. And, and I felt like that. I felt like that many times. And so you get fired up because you realize I'm that person they're describing. And I'm I'm a version of it. And then I was like, okay, that's it. No Instagram, um, you know, and TikTok. And I love, I love the social media platforms. And then I just put the brakes on for a second because I thought, well, why don't I, why don't I take control of it? Why don't I use it to my advantage, knowing that the tools created and, you know, it's provided me a lot of information, a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of frustration and enough anger to know what I like to stay away from now, because I would be like my, I feel like my fingers were going to bleed. I was so incensed by people. The Yeah. It's just that the deck is stacked against us. Like we say, okay, we're going to go into it with that, but it just knows how to Come get back you. In. It always yeah. knows how to, how to get you. And just like an, any other addiction, you have that one little taste of whatever. And so then suddenly you're drowning in the pool again. So you mentioned TikTok. To me, TikTok's the scariest one of all because it's it's ran from China and overseas and all that. And at least this information, if there is a silver lining to it all, at least this information from these Facebooks and Googles and, well, YouTube and Google are 
ran by these companies in the States that holds this data and who knows how much they do, but they claim to anyways hold this data to the point where, do you remember when, um, there was a, I think awesome. it was a, I think it was a murder case or something like that with Apple Yes. and the government was trying to say, open this phone, you know, we, we need you Apple to open this phone so we can get the evidence we need for this case. And Apple's like, no, that's against our privacy, right? China, it's not, it's not like that. They, companies in China have to give the data that they've taken from our attention and everything. They have to give that to the government whenever China wants to get it. And that's a scary thing because just like how these companies are influencing us to get our attention and to ingrain things into our mind, you suddenly put that into a different country and, and that wants to project their way of life onto us without us even knowing it. And they have that ability, right? TikTok's not even legal in China. They don't have TikTok there. It's it's amazing. I mean, knowing again, um, data data collection, uh, profile building, um, ad pushing, and messaging. I mean, the messaging to me is the most scary because uh, you can actually, you know, it's it's much more difficult to determine if it's fake or not, especially when it comes out. From multiple channels in multiple directions. And like what? What's an example? What you- well, like I mean, you can't help but look at the politics of what's going on right now, and especially in the states. Um, you know, we get our fair share here in Canada as well, where, you know, um, when one message against a party comes out, then you can see, you know, rapidly there's more messages that support it, and then that gets spread, and then all of a sudden the posts are all related, and within two days we've all formed an opinion about an issue that may not have been an issue and quite likely wasn't an issue. Yeah. But it's an opportunity for one side to make a case against the other side. And when you talk about that type of messaging and in the many different ways that, you know, from video to post to tweets to, to, um, you know, to memes, then you see that there's an assembled effort to communicate something. Yeah. To generate a reaction and a response. And then if, you know, it's, it's by design. It's happening for a reason. So that's where all of a sudden, again, those tools in the hands of somebody that's going to do good with it is amazing. For those that are going to manipulate it to their advantage, and if their advantage is beyond simply selling product, which in this case, it could be selling, you know, government. It could be selling whatever the propaganda whatever they is, sell. whatever they want to sell. If it doesn't have good intention and it's not out to help us, then I think we've got to figure out a way to... to to guard or watch, uh, watchdog, watchdog us, or at least, you know, have a way to be able to ensure that there's a, I don't know, then you're getting into censorship. So and then you're censoring the internet, right? What, how can you do it's that? Like, really, you, you gotta be, you gotta police yourself or how's this? Uh, I'm sure there's already organizations around the world that are, are looking out for the wrong and, you know, you could subscribe, I'm sure to, to sites to be able to at least make sure the information you're getting has been fact-checked, and that could be one step in the right direction. But otherwise... Like a Snopes. Like that, exactly. Yeah, and that that's, I think, something that can be a tool. Um, anyway, Social Dilemma, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. I insisted that my kids watch it uh, from start to finish. Um, and I said, if you're going to do anything for me at all, please just watch this film. That's how important it was for me in the family. Yeah, I... I it's kind of one of those things. Uh, remember the Super Size documentary that came out 
years back. Um, and everyone said they were going to stop, right? Everyone saw oh, McDonald's. I'm done. Whatever. It, um, I'm never going again. And I mean, did it really, maybe a week, maybe everyone stopped going for a week and then you're back in it. Right. So you're it's, back in it. it's really like, okay, even though I know this is bad for me at this point, I'm still here and everyone thinks they're special and that it's not going to affect them. You know, I'm the person that knows I know. So it's fine. I'll just keep <laughs> scrolling. But everyone else, everyone else is in a lot of trouble, but me, I I'm, I'm okay. And I mean, it's just this, I feel like this documentary is just getting the same kind of reaction that that documentary is. And we're all going to know that our minds are turning to mush and that these companies are owning our lives. And I don't, I, I hope that there's a bit of change, but I'm skeptical. Well, surely I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Surely you saw some people walk out of the uh, Fahrenheit 911, the mm -hmm. super size me, the what the health, you know, those, those sensations that had everybody's attention, this being one of them, you had to see people walk away from them making radical changes. And some made a change for a while. And then of course life came back into living and you couldn't help it, but you fell back in. Yeah, I'll take a super size um, yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever that was that, you know, validated the way you thought and you behaved there had to have been some change along the way for the good. Right. And it might be less than 1%, but if it's some, then whatever. I think one of the guys in that documentary and some of those guys in that documentary bugged me because you were in it, man. Like you made all your money. And then after I become part of this machine and I help make this thing, Oh, I've made all my cash. You know, I don't believe in this. I'm out. I don't know about that, but, uh, the one guy says, you know, just delete the apps. And I know none of you are going to do it, but if a couple people do, then I helped, right? And, I mean, that happened for you when it came to your diet and stuff, right? You, it was what the health for, for you, right? What the health. That turned me on to something else. And, I mean, tons of people saw that film and just, like, supersized me, just went on living their life. But there was a fraction of people that actually made real change. Yeah. And so that's, I'm sure that's what will happen with this, but... It's a tragedy that most people will still just go on. Well, we shall see what happens. Ideally, you know, we have enough understanding to maybe shift the way we think and the way we interact and how we try to curve this addiction because, ladies and gentlemen, it sure is an addiction. In any case, uh, I can't tell you how happy I am you're up here, man. I mean, I love coming to the cottage and spending time and, and – uh, disconnecting or connecting you know this is a no this is really cool man you've been talking about this for a long time getting this project going and getting the podcast going and i've heard people say to you you know you need you should be doing something like this where you're sharing your thoughts and you're talking to people and kind of peeling back that curtain that of what you do every day and the tips and tricks and stuff and this is a perfect example i i tell our team all the time because not only do you lead the ship but we use you as an example in a lot of ways that we can operate and i tell them all the time one thing that louis does for every project he puts in whether it's a small thing for his kid's school or a big activation for one of his big corporations pharma whatever it may be he's gonna put that same effort into both right <laughs> it doesn't really matter the project and like i said at the beginning of our talk today i could have been easy just to plug a phone in and just talk for an hour, but that's just not the way that it's going to happen with you. Right. And so 
I think the first project I ever worked on you with you was uh, the kids fun fair at the school, right? And oh yeah, and yeah, that was like a month long project. We worked our asses off from the crack of dawn till till we were done for the day working on this fun fair that. I know my fun fairs when I was coming up in elementary school was, you know, you come into the classroom and there's some balloons and you do a cakewalk or whatever, right? <laughs> These were real parties, real festivals that you were throwing for at the kids' public school. and Best fun, fun fair ever. It was, it was crazy. And there were, uh, there were real written plans and documents and page-long things about how this is going to work and what time this is going to happen and who's going to go over there and where the vendors are going to happen. And so you walk into this, to this first gig, and it's this kid's fun fair, and you're kind of like, what are you doing? What are we doing? What are we doing all this for? And it gets done, and it goes off without a hitch, and it's the best fun fair. And then the next project is some huge gala on an island or something like that for <laughs> a big company, and it's, it's rinse and repeat of the fun fair. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the same effort, the same hours, the same... So I say that to our team all the time, and I use that example all the time of when we're throwing, you know, our big parties for Cabin that take a lot of prep and time and effort, um, and also, you know, dusting the shelf and making it look better than it did when you saw it before. The same effort goes in, and that's just how you live your life, and the podcast is just evident of that. Oh, by sure. thank you. Those words, man, and uh, I wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for the team, and you are a big part of that team. So I, I always say that uh, when you came on board, it was like uh, a younger version of me but better, and that's the way it's been all the way through. So I'm, I'm at least smart enough to make sure that the people that are around me are better than me. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that, but uh, you definitely have some good people for sure. I mean, uh, the team – everybody's just drinking the Kool-Aid. That's what we <laughs> always say, right? We're, uh, we could be doing, we could be living really different lives that might be a lot more conventional to a lot of people. But I mean, the those people that are in those offices or getting up for those nine to fives are also the ones that are listening to podcasts like this to figure out how not to do it, right? So it's, there's give and take with everything. And I was in a cubicle for a bank in one of these square buildings. And I had worked with you previously and came to help you temporarily again, but then went back to that job in that office or whatever it may be. And you called me in the middle of it and said, you just, you gotta, you gotta get out of there. You just gotta jump now and we'll figure it out later. And it might not be as great now, but hopefully it will be better than it would be later. And it'll be fun along the way. So that's what well, happened. Have we, <laughs> yeah. is it, have we had that's fun? A, I mean, we've had a pretty good time. Oh, we've had some good times. But, you know, here's the thing, man. You know, uh, I can't help but recognize that I, I knew who you were. And it, it almost made me, for you, feel like you would never be happy in that space because no. you needed challenge. You, you had, you wanted to be able to be recognized for the effort and you wanted to put your stamp on something mm -hmm. and you have, you have a brilliant mind when it comes to 
making things happen. And that's, that's the beauty of making sure that if you've got somebody like that, you can't, I would never feel good if I'd let you, or I'm not going to be responsible for you. But if I stood by without at least saying you should come over here, because this is a crazy side. This is the one that's out there that, you know, like you said, not conventional, but if you're conventional and you're conventional and you like to have that rhythm and you need to have that structure, then that's perfect. You just either are in a business like that or you start a business like that. And in our case, um, the world that you came into was, you know, one minute we're talking about eggs, the next we're talking about mufflers, and then we're doing award ceremonies and galas and mm-hmm. product launches. And what if we did this? Oh, maybe we can start that. And, you know, when I recognize that you think exactly like that, then I knew that your soul will be eroded if you were behind <laughs> the cubicle and the desk. And that's where that fit just made so much sense. Yeah, I don't think I realized it at the time, but looking back, probably 100%. And, you know, there are definitely days where that would have been easier. But, I sure. mean, this will always be more fulfilling than that. You know what I mean? And uh, I I don't think people realize just the the amount of work that goes into all of it, especially for what you do and what makes you able to do the things that you want to do because people look and they say that could be me or I could do that. You know, um, when it comes to whatever it may be, I could do that for those clients or why does, why is Louie backstage at that concert or what, whatever. And I don't think people realize that just the amount of work that goes into all that, like, <laughs> and if you want all that, like what, what did you think of the Game of Thrones ending? The Game of Thrones ending? Yeah. <laughs> no? Um, no, you didn't watch Game of Thrones. No. Name, uh, name four raptors. Yes. Uh, LeBron James? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't watch sports. There's no sports. What's your favorite video game? Galaga? From the moment you wake up <laughs> to the moment you go to bed, it's just the, the gears are turning. And... It's just, it's nonstop. It, there's, there's no off button for you, which can sometimes be a lot. Uh, for anybody. For the team, for everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, we got, two years ago, we went and got our laptops at the same time, and there's no letters on your keys anymore. <laughs> from, <laughs> That's uh, fair. That's fair. From just the amount of typing that's gone on. So it's crazy, and I mean... I know a lot of this podcast, you're going to be talking to a lot of different people and get their insight on their journey and everything that way. But a lot of people are going to be listening to this because they just want to hear the the journey of how you got here and how you do it every day. And I think for you, it's just so reactionary that it can be hard to even slow down and, and spell that out because you just do it. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It's it's innate, and some of the decisions don't even register as a decision. They're just a response. It's like, it's fast, it's rapid fire, and, you know, with any luck at all, it's good. It's just not even a decision. It's just the only way to do it for That's you. That's great. Do you yeah. know what I mean? These are good words, man. I can't, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm flattered and, and at the same time a little humbled, and, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that that's, that's, and even what you're talking about when somebody's going to tune into this, I mean, my hope is really like all the experiences that I've had and I've been really fortunate and the people that I've met and the ones that I work with along the way, I think 
there's a good chance for us to tell our stories, you know, uh, rap like we are right now, getting people excited about what's possible and the potential that they have, and maybe they can connect on some certain level with either something we've done, something we're about to do, an experience we have so that we can share with them some insights and get some value, you know? I mean, whether it's the relationship, it's the um, it's the business, it's the it's just the way we navigate our worlds, you know, that I think is interesting enough that we should we should be able to share. No, I think I think that's what people want and the the people that I've personally seen come to you and say are you going to do something like this or do some kind of video blog or or something? I think that's that's what they're looking for is a way that they can be in that conversation without being in that conversation, which is what these podcasts are, right? You, you're driving in your car and you're listening to these people talk and you feel like you're at the table. And I think a lot of people want to have that conversation of being at the table. So Yeah, and I've always liked being at the table too. And if I can if I can glean something from somebody's insights or their experiences, and uh, it helps maybe just make my wheels turn or give me a direction and or at least a little a little upside or you know to be honest if it creates this moment of happiness, then that's time I want to spend. And yeah. if if it's coming in and it's inspiring me to do something, then that's the time that I want to spend. And I and, you know somebody asked me if I've seen this or. Most of the time when people ask me if I've seen a movie, I've never, uh, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time, um, like you said, outside of my head, um, which could be an upside or a downside, I'm not sure, but it seems to work so far. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that I can't, I can't connect and I can't relate to the, the narrative, the common conversations in a lot of respects. I can't contribute to the, to the sports game uh, or to the, to the banter that happened after something, unless oh. it's, you know, something that's, very eventful that I've paid attention to, but uh, it, it it really kind of prevents you from being part of those conversations, surprisingly enough. You're too busy getting it done, bud. Yeah, maybe that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, too busy getting it done. Listen, I want to ask you because um, I always want to see if we can give somebody something that they may not have expected. When it comes to technology or um, websites or an app uh, or something in your life that, you know, you just can't live without is around the around the idea of technology. Do you have any kind of uh any kind of tips or ideas or or thoughts of what you're using that somebody else would find really useful? Uh let's open my phone and see. I mean, we all have our staples, right? I couldn't navigate myself around Toronto without something like Waze because that's the only thing that's I don't know where I'm going. I don't know I don't know where I'm going at all. I'm not from Toronto. I don't know Toronto. I don't know the GTA. And Waze helps me daily. It doesn't help with my road rage, but it helps me get to where I need to be. Um, we were talking about the the Calm app recently. Oh, that, yeah. Perfect. Um, because I think we got some kind of promotion that got us a free year to that. So that's been kind of cool, um, especially before bed. and, and you, you mean know, Calm, C-A-L-M. Yeah, Calm. Yeah. Um, you've probably used it more than me. You could probably explain it better. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically like, um, the meditation apps that you're seeing more and more of today where it can allow you to take journeys, listen to stories, uh, tune into music or sounds mm-hmm. to help you get to, you know, a more centered space. Yeah. So it, it, in some cases it, it, uh, it's the, it's the, I don't know, the three minute put you to sleep, knock you out moment, you know? 
you actually, uh, I don't know why both examples are things that you turn me on to, but uh, the one second app was a really cool one too. That's cool. Especially during uh, the height of shutdown and everything. Uh, we we were doing the one second app where you just take one second clip every day and then kind of string it together for to music or whatever to make this little montage of one second clips of, we did it, I think, for the month of April or halfway through May or something like that. And I, I don't even know if I've looked at it, but I know 10 years down the road when we're all looking back on everything that's happening right now, it's going to be cool to be like, this was how things were for a minute, you know? And for a minute, it really is like 60 seconds of these little second clips that gives you a snapshot into the world that you, you know, you're surrounded by, your world. And I think you're right. In 10, 15 years, when you can look back at some of the the memories of this, um, then those little kind of tools, that little app that made it look, you know, maybe a little more concise or put together with a big bow over top of it, I think is very cool. That's another notification on Facebook that always gets you. You have a memory with blah, blah yeah. from three years ago. Then you go in and, oh, my God, we had such a good time, and I got to share that, and then who's going to comment on this? And it's just another one of those things that's going to draw you in to spend a half hour so Facebook and Instagram, whatever, can show you ads. It's a half hour. You don't even know it, man. It's not Half an hour would be scratching the surface. I think when you start to even, you know, to get back to it, but when you think about the screen time and your phone can tell you what your screen time is and how long you've had that. I'm, I justify mine all the time saying that this is, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm a product of this environment. My businesses only work because of this environment so I can spend time on my phone. But when you really start to, to, you know, look at it with a, a microscope, the unnecessary time on there and the distractions. And I just wonder, you know, and I am going to do some experimenting here. I'm going to be, diligent in how I approach, you know, uh, the notifications. I'm going to be definitely looking at my time on and, you know, I'm going to take some advice for some people that have decided they understand behavior more than I, and uh, I'm going to try. You know, I'm going to figure out if there's a way to be able to really maximize the use of this tool without it manipulating and controlling me and or maybe just a little bit. Is it the big number, the screen time? It's a big number. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big number. Like when you realize. It's too much, it, right? It's too much to admit. You don't believe it. You look at that and it's like, there's no way. There's no way. And that's the thing with kids too. I, I think they might have said it in that documentary. There's another one too called um, Hacked. And it's all about the Cambridge Analytica scandal when they scraped all that information and, and used it for to control the election and stuff. But it might. It, I can't remember which one that was in, but. If you ask kids how long they spend on their phone, they'll usually say like an hour, right? Because they just, you don't know. We don't, don't know. know. They don't, don't know. know. And uh, yeah, that was one of the parts in the film that that I didn't like at all was in the dramatization when the girl locks her phone up and then she smashes it at the table. Like, what are we doing here? I don't know if that's. Yeah. That and Tristan, the guy, he's, what's your Oh, your name's Tristan? It's Tristan. That I I had to take a minute there. I had to take a minute there. Your name's Tristan, but well, his name's Tristan. No, man. it's Tristan. It's your name's Tristan. It's Tara. It's Tara. No, no, very different. Okay. Those are two very different things. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that they're, they're. Hey, listen, somebody made that. I love the fact that they made it because it made it very easy for me to say to my my kids and 
you know, anybody that I thought would pay attention, that this is actually, you're going to get it. It's not going to be too above you. It's it's speaking to everybody in a, in a level of understanding. And I think, you know, there's a couple of moments where you're like, oh, okay, maybe that could have been shown. And so they've watched it yet or no? No. Okay. Um, th- there's a mandate. It has to be by this weekend. So by the time this airs, they would have. And, you know, we'll see if it does change any, uh, any of their behaviors. But I think, in, you know, my son Miller said, that he was afraid to watch it. He'd heard about it already, but he's already afraid to watch it. Mm. And that in itself is a story. Like, you know, so there's that, this, uh, this distribution of information that made him realize where he belonged in that. He, he made a decision as a result of something that was pushed to him, you know? And, yeah. and in fact, if anybody looks at this, like it truly is scary. And yes, I guess I even said at the beginning, like, it's going to be very, our, our world's going to be very scary in a while, you know? And when you hear that, especially as a young, as a young, uh, young teen, then why would you want to look at it? If I'm going to be scared about this, like, well, you know, so. Yeah. And so there, I mean, your kids are older now, but it's still probably to agree, to a degree important to know what they're, what they're doing on there, even though you can't, you'll never, you'll never really know what kids are doing on, on the internet and stuff, but like we have uh, a cousin who's you know the kid's eleven years old and the the parents don't even know what a TikTok is and he's on there all day he's on there all day he's putting content out he's he's watching endless content and there's no way to filter on there what's good and what's bad and what he should be watching and what he shouldn't be watching and he just doesn't understand half the stuff half the stuff that he's actually even seen. You know what I mean? So yeah, and that's the that's the challenging part. There's no filter. There's no there's no um, chaperoning of of content like a really or or any type of. I mean, there's a way to block, of course, anything that's. They'll get around it. They'll get around. They'll it. always get and around they'll, it, and they'll see it, and they'll recognize Every it. And time. I think it's that's where the conversations with the family need to happen, to have everybody understand, you know, what this really means, and is it really like that? And here's my opinion of it. And here's what you you know. Is what I think about it. So, and to be able to get that message across without the rolling of the eyes, okay, mom and dad, kind of thing, right? I, I'm still gonna do what I'm gonna do. It's, I don't know, man. I don't know where the finish line is with all this. Well, it's but. gonna be, it's gonna be for us to watch, and either we can stand by and and just be an observer, or we can get into, you know, either making a change or at least trying to influence change. So, I'm hopeful. Maybe in this in this uh, in this forum that there's a chance for people to communicate and talk about it and, and learn and, and recognize where they belong in this and where it belongs with them. And so do you think that the companies will ever bring in morality to it? Do you think they'll ever start censoring the content or making it so that they have some kind of code? I mean, they do it. They take information off all the time. They take people off all the time and deplatform, deplatform, deplatform. And whether or not that's the answer or not, I, I, I don't know because then, like you said, you get into censorship. But do you think that they will sacrifice the dollar at some point to put out content that doesn't destroy minds? Well, here's the here's a great point, and we'll look back at this in five years, okay? But here's where there's an opportunity. Just like when the crisis and the pandemic hit, there was an opportunity for brands to take a different position and to stand out in their communities and their marketplaces to their audience, to um, be recognized as uh, a change maker, to be recognized as compassionate, empathetic, 
And in some cases, brands did do that and they did a good job of it. And the other ones muddled through it and, you know, became very me too. And they didn't take a stand and they're just kind of floating. I think that brands will start to employ morality and, and conscious mindfulness about whether they're helping people or they're simply trying to cash grab um, because people will help make that decision. You know, mm. We as, as the product, we as the, um, as the eyeball and the engagement can start insisting that companies put in positions like that or that they respond to things like that so that we almost certify them and we start making decisions about where we purchase as a result of their moral code of conduct. It's just so tough because then you get the other side of people that are all the way down the rabbit hole with these conspiracies that they take as truth and this propaganda that they take as truth. And then if a company like Facebook takes all that away, then these people are like, you're censoring us from the truth. You're censoring us from all the information that says the earth is flat and the earth is flat. And, and now you're trying to take that away because you're trying to control us in that way. You don't want us to have the, the real information. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword in that respect because you, you can't win. You can't win either way. Yes. The only way that I think we will win is when enough people and companies suggest that anything that they're engaging in um, is wrapped around their core value. And if their core value is to, is to fuss and fight and that's their, their conflict all the time, then we need to figure out a way to help them come along to an understanding of where they can be happy and kind. And, you know, when companies start to perform like that and they have that as their code of ethics, their uh, ethos, then, then we start gravitating towards them and we see that that shift and that movement is like, I don't want to see a movie about that. I want to see this. And then when mm -hmm. we start showing that our behavior and our, and our patterning and the things you're copying from us are pushing us in this direction, then maybe we'll just be our center of influence for ourselves. It's wild. It's wild. I mean, we'll see. We could talk about it all day, but we'll see. Well, listen, on that note, this will be the end of this podcast, but Nico, I'm, I'm so happy you're on, bud. Thanks for being part of this and thanks for uh, taking care of all the stuff that you do in the background. No, thanks for having me, man. Um, it's my pleasure. And this is awesome. I'm just so, I'm happy for both you guys. Thank you very much. Cheers.